the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 15th of July, 2022. Happy, glorious, and beautiful Friday to you all. I appreciate you listening. I'm Derek Hunter, like I say, and this is the program. Don't forget about the Curse Program, the Week in F and Review. It'll be up at midnight at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and at derekhunter.locals.com. Enter to win the contest as well to choose between an autographed Mark Levin book or an autographed Mike Huckabee book. It's up to you. A battle to the death of the books. Anyway, appreciate you listening. And all right, before we get started, which I want to get started quickly, Quinny, come here. Are you going to say something? So we have somebody in uh, the room, and she wanted to be a part of it briefly. And so it's Quinn, who's now a big five. Go ahead and talk. Hello. Hello. So what else you got to say? Anything? What are you doing? <laughs> you can't have a conversation with people in a recording. You started uh, some preschool stuff. Are you liking going to school? I didn't go to school. I was doing it downstairs. Well, I understand that, but you're learning. You're doing the same thing. Do you, are you liking that? Yes. Are you learning lots of stuff? Yeah. Is your sister learning lots of stuff, or is she just saying poop and getting in trouble? She said poop in it, too. Yeah, she did. She got a timeout, didn't she? And then she, she just did a quick one. Just a quick one, a quick poop? No, a, a, quick, time, <laughs> a quick timeout on the stairs. Yeah, well, there you go. All right, well, say thanks to everybody for listening, and thanks to everybody for all the good stuff. Thank you for uh, good stuff. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. All right, now go about your business. What? There you go. There you go. There's an update from Quinn. And uh, now let's start the program. We, uh, we have a lot of things going on, a bunch of stuff happening in the world today. But I got to start off. I got a bunch of emails last night. I went to bed kind of early. And I woke up to a bunch of emails this morning saying there has been an arrest in the rape case, the alleged rape case, they have to be alleged. I mean, if they got school shooters who are on video killing people, and go, well, alleged shooter. Like, no, the, the dude on the roof was shooting people, okay? He, 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 he did it. But they got to legally say, well, alleged, alleged to have done it. Yes, alleged, alleged, alleged. There was an arrest. The Columbus Dispatch has the story. A bunch of you sent me a whole bunch of different things. And I'm the real question is, you know how they say... Um, if you put a camera on something, like the so-called reality TV, you put a camera in the room, it changes the way people act. It changes, it changes reality. You've altered reality by documenting reality. I wonder if anybody would have bothered to look for this guy if people hadn't questioned whether or not this guy existed. Because the left didn't seem to give a damn president of the united states didn't seem to give a damn the uh, so-called doctor who uh, announced that this this tragic case existed didn't seem to give a damn she was more upset with the fact oh the kid had to go from ohio to indiana to get an abortion whereas the attorney general the chief law enforcement officer of the state of ohio said that's not what ohio law says so uh, if they weren't trying to make a political point 
out of this case, if they weren't trying to score political points with their base and go, "Uh uh-huh, dunking on you Republicans, you have to really honestly wonder whether or not any of these Democrats would have given a damn that a 10-year-old was raped. Right? Don't you? Maybe I I am. I was going to say maybe I'm cynical. I am cynical. I understand I'm cynical. But for the love of God, should there not have been at some point somebody going, you know, the first priority should be before we publicize this, before even the kid gets an abortion or whatever, gets therapy, we got to find this monster who's out there raping 10-year-olds. Because it turns out apparently he's not the only time he's done this. And if you, you've done, once you, once you go down this path, I don't think you pull up. I don't think, I don't think there's anybody who goes, you know what, I really tried uh, violent sexual offenses when I was younger. And, it, you know, gave it a shot. I gave it a good go. But it just wasn't for me. I don't think that's the case. You got this in you or you don't have this in you. The story, a, a Columbus man. No, he's not a Columbus man. He's an illegal alien, but okay. A Columbus man has been charged with impregnating a 10-year-old girl who, uh, girl who's traveled to Indiana to seek an abortion led to international attention following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and activation of Ohio's abortion law. God, I don't know who writes for the Columbus Dispatch, but it's really not a very good writer. Gerson Fuentes, 27, whose last known address was an apartment on Columbus's northwest side, was arrested Tuesday after police said he confessed to raping the child on at least two occasions. He has since been charged with rape, a felony in the first degree in Ohio. Twice, at least twice. And I'll reiterate, I don't believe you do this just once. Now, I'm going to say something controversial. But it's my rudimentary understanding that the treatment of women and girls in third world Latin America is not exactly on par with your corporate HR policy. That the idea of women simply being there to be used is a common belief, particularly in less cosmopolitan regions, of these third world hell holes, meaning not the major cities, the smaller villages. Um, remember when Donald Trump was lambasted because in a meeting he referred to some countries as asshole countries? Remember, oh my God, CNN went crazy. CNN said, oh, all right, we can say that word. Let's go crazy and let's just say the S word nonstop. There are S-hole countries. There are S-hole cultures. There are things that... Because you to think that this is... Nor, te, how do you get away with this twice? Twice, on two occasions. How do you, how do you get away with this? Not the, the monster. The monster is the monster. The monster will do what you can. But you can't tell me, the 10-year-old, there aren't signs... I'd like to know and have a serious conversation and know that there is a full-blown investigation into every single human being associated with this girl to find out what in the hell was going on, how this could have happened twice by his admission. Now, if he's admitting twice, there's a reason to believe that he's being truthful. 
I bet he's admitting it because he's probably thinking, well, what's the big deal? It's a girl. They're there to be used. Again, this illustrates just how poor of parents the parents of these kids that they just say, oh, here's $10,000 human trafficker. Here it is, coyote from the drug cartels. Smuggle my child 2,000 miles. There's a, a phone number pinned to his underpants. And uh, good luck. See you soon, Junior. Maybe. You sit there and you go, well, they're, out of, they're desperate. They're not that desperate. They're not fleeing war. They're looking for better opportunities. I don't blame them for looking for better opportunities, but I deny them coming here for better opportunities because that's not a valid reason to immigrate, especially illegally. You want to come in the front door? We can talk, but the question has to be asked and the question has to be satisfactorily answered. What do we get out of it? What do you bring into the table? If you ever try to put together a dinner, let me show my white privilege and hoi polloiness. If you're ever putting together a dinner party, Although I can honestly say I've never actually had a dinner party, hosted a dinner party. I've attended them, but I have never hosted one. But if you're putting together a dinner party and you've got, let's just say, eight seats around the table, you can cram eight people in there. We bought this. If we were going to have a dinner party, we have a table that could, can, we don't have the number, well, we have folding chairs. But uh, we have a table that could conceivably accommodate 12 people. I think maybe we, no, 10 people. I think maybe we did do 10 people one time at Thanksgiving when families were here. But you pull the leaves, it's an Ikea thing. And it was like 300 bucks. It's perfect. I, it's, they still sell it. I look. I recommend looking for it. If you want a small table and then there are two leaves that you can put in that make it a big table. Uh, and it's solid wood. Not exactly the prettiest table you'll ever see, but it'll it'll definitely keep your food off the floor. Uh, but you, uh, you're sitting there and you go, we've got 10 chairs. Who are we going to invite? Now, you probably have, just like when you get married, you got a list of like 100 people, and then you go, but we can't afford 100 people at our wedding. We're going to have to figure out who can really come, who brings most to the table. And yes, people planning weddings, we all know. We all know you sit there and you go, who's most likely to give us the best gift or the most money? That's a factor. You go with family first, but then you go, you know, uh, Johnny from high school, he's always a cheap SOB, forget that. But uh, Billy is always really, really generous, and he makes a lot of money. Let's invite him. (laughs) I know, it's horrible, but don't pretend you don't think that way. Anyway, if you're sitting there and you're going, we got 10 seats to fill, we've got two of them. We got uh, another two that we have to invite this person. Then it really, really leaves six seats. To do, and what do you do? You sit there and you go, "Well, who brings what? Who's most interesting? Who is fascinating?" Sometimes people go, "Well, who can help me with my career? How can I use this politically?" There are all sorts of reasons that uh, those seats get filled by certain people and not by others. We should have an immigration policy like that. We have reason. What are you bringing to the table? What is your conversation going to be? What do we get out of it? But you can't. Thanks to Democrats, the doors are just wide open. Come on in, anybody, come on in. Uh, the more smuggled, the more trafficked, the better. And, uh, you know, because there's a good chance they'll end up being a, another call girl for Hunter to spend Joe's money on. Anyway, back to this story. Columbus police were made aware of the girl's pregnancy through a referral by Franklin County Children's Services. 
Uh, on June 30th, the girl underwent a medical abortion in Indiana. Huh, says the, uh, let's see, who's uh, Jeffrey Huh. Hun, Hun, H-U-H-N. Also testified the DNA from the clinic in Indianapolis is being tested against samples from Fuentes, as well as the child's sibling to confirm a contribution to the aborted fetus. Um, the guy confessed. Right? Franklin County Municipal Court Judge Cynthia Ebner said the case did not warrant Fuentes, who is believed to be undocumented, to be held without bond. Let me repeat that. He raped a 10-year-old. He confessed to it. 10-year-old was impregnated. All the trauma already and then magnified. And the judge, Cynthia Ebner, going to go out on a limb here and say, Democrat judge, said the case did not warrant this illegal alien to be held without bond. Now, she, she set bond pretty high. It's at $2 million, which is fine, which is good. The odds of this illegal alien living in a crappy apartment in Columbus, Ohio, being able to come up with 10% to post bond, uh, probably not super high. Then again, we do have Democrats out there. They have happily raised money for people they knew were guilty to get them out of prison before their trial. Not always to get them to flee, but just because like Black Lives Matter in St. Louis when the guy went into the uh, candidate for mayor's office and shot up the place. He didn't kill anybody, thankfully, but he went after the uh, white Jewish candidate for mayor in St. Louis, walked in there, shot him up. Turns out he was a BLM activist. Yeah, you know, he probably, we talked about it on the show, but it's more than likely one of the only places you ever heard about it. Because there's no way in the world the media is going to touch that one black guy going after a Jew, all Democrat on Democrat violence. No way. Activist, a BLM activist on top of it all. A Black Lives Matter. They raised the money for bail. They raised the money for his bail. Huh. Why would they do that? Well, because they're bad people. Uh, Pretty simple. It's uh, how they operate. It's how they... There it is, the story. I'm trying to look up what city... Just so I know what it is. Local... This is from uh, ABC 13. Local BLM chapter post bail for man charged with attempted murder of mayoral candidate. Kentucky. Sorry, it was Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. A man who is charged with the attempted murder of a mayoral candidate in Louisville is no longer in jail after local Black Lives Matter chapter teamed up with a community bail fund to post his bail. Quintez Brown, 21, who is said to be a social justice activist uh, running as a candidate for Louisville Metro Council, allegedly tried to assassinate Democrat mayoral candidate Greg Green, or Craig Greenberg. Police say a bullet grazed Green, Greenberg's shirt as at his campaign headquarters on Tuesday. Greenberg himself said he had four colleagues who were at his campaign headquarters when the attack occurred, but no one was harmed. BLM raised $100,000 to get uh, Quintez Brown out of prison. Because who doesn't want a guy like that? He's such a nice guy. He's so quiet. Never did anything like this before. Well, well, there is a first time for everything. I think there are probably signs there, but nobody's bothering to look. 
Nobody's bothering to look because why would anybody bother to look? He's on the team. You can't. Look, if, if your teammate is shooting steroids but hitting like a ton of home runs, what do you do? You're trying to win a World Series. Am I right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. So sad. So pathetic. Not surprising, but sad and pathetic. Now, this monster is facing $2 million bond, $2 million bail. That would be nice if there were none, just to remove the possibility of these leftists trying to get him out of there, but you never know. And if he does get enough money, I wouldn't be surprised if he does get enough money, there's a high possibility that he'll disappear, because why not? He's an illegal alien facing probably 20, 21, 27 years old. A minimum of 20 years in prison and minimum of a hard 20 years in prison when you're a child rapist? You're going to stick around for that? Hell no, you're not going to stick around for that. Even illegal aliens recognize that it's time to get the heck out of Dodge when that happens. Would he leave the country? Probably not. Probably go to California. I can't imagine California extraditing anybody to Ohio under this clown Gavin Newsom. So it's real. Apparently, Democrats are very happy about it. That doesn't excuse the the really, really awful journalism that was done around this and the exploitation of this. The seeming concern for a travel bill that wasn't necessary. Who in the hell is the adult taking this person, this kid, to another state when it's not necessary? And actually, you really get down to it. It's the Democrats in general who are probably responsible. They started rumors. They, they're still spreading misinformation, like ectopic, ectopic pregnancies. You can't get treatment for ectopic pregnancies because it's a crime now, and women are going to die. AOC spreads that all the time. It's not true. It's not true in any state of the union any state of the union, but they're telling it. So how many women with ectopic pregnancies will then go seek a back alley abortion or try to do something stupid themselves because they follow AOC on Instagram? I don't know, but you probably can put the number at higher than zero. And by the way, I do want to give a shout out to a guy named Derek, not me, but a different guy named Derek, spent some time at the uh, AT&T store. And, uh, God, it was fr- technology, when it works great, boy, it's great. When it doesn't, what a freaking nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. So, uh, it well, so far, so good with what uh, Derek hooked me up with. It wouldn't be his fault if it didn't work out. I'm just saying that uh, he hooked me up, and I appreciate it because what I had apparently doesn't, somehow it's broken, but it's not, I, I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on with it. I don't speak jive. I don't understand what in the hell technology. You turn it on, and it does. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't, I'm I'm half tempted to like smash it against a wall. My, that's the way my Cro-Magnon brain works. But thanks to Derek, you know who you are, over there for hooking me up. That's uh, working out. I just thought this thing is. Uh, God, we are redefining things in a way to make everybody and everything dumber. CBS News has this report. As the incidents of anti-LGBTQ legislation continue to climb in states across the U.S., 
So it's just taken for granted. Oh, then the anti-LGBTQ. Democrats used to be, you know, remember that they were pro-woman? Well, we're pro-woman. It's the Republicans. There's women. Republicans have a war on women. I can't wait for the Democrats to start going, Republicans have a war on women because they don't want trans women to compete against girls in uh, sports. They think that's unfair because, well, it is. For the champions of Title IX, women in sports and women everywhere, women... Somehow, somebody's got to kind of acknowledge that, you know, when it comes to particularly sports... Men make the best women, right? Are we, are we allowed to say that? Probably not allowed to say that, but men make the best women. There are no current biological women, real women, who say, no, I'm a dude competing in boys' or men's sports. There isn't. The WNBA exists and the NBA exists. There's no one in the WNBA says, I'm a dude now, and they go and... Uh, get a job in the NBA. The best NBA player would at most be a late-game sub in the NBA. But I promise you this, if Michael Jordan today says, you know what, I'm a chick, and he uh, he went and tried out for the NBA, WNBA, and first of all, they'd be scrambling to, to sign him. But they would immediately, he would be the best player in the league. He's 59 years old. He couldn't cut it in the NBA. He'd still be probably a, a second-tier substitute. He'd be all right. He'd be a, he wouldn't be a starter, but he'd be a, a high-ranking substitute. He would dominate in the WNBA. Tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. There's a difference. There's a huge, huge difference. I have yet to find one example of a girl playing boys sports because they're trans they're a trans boy and dominating i found i think i think there were a couple of examples of girls or stories about girls trying out for teams or whatever but uh it was not leah thomas it was not the uh, weightlifter dude setting world records yeah because you're like a 300 pound dude you, you ought to be able to lift more than a 180 pound woman if you can't I mean, your, your, your body mass is more than that. You, the act of standing up, you've already done more than, than a woman does. But they, they just pretend. They just pretend this world of make-believe. So they call anything that goes against whatever it is that uh, the absolute fringe of their party belches up. They go, well, that's anti-LGBTQ. That's it. That's it. Well, you've got to be anti-LGBTQ if you stop at LGBTQ. As there's a QIA plus uh, empty set umlaut and all the other things. Why'd you stop there? Uh, <clears throat> a new report found that five of the most popular social media platforms are not prioritizing the safety of queer, transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming users. We are all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And some animals are apparently so absolutely fragile that they need somebody looking out for them at all times. They need somebody. They need, see, liberalism, progressivism is based on the white savior complex. The Northeast, they're not all white anymore, but the Northeastern white elitist who looks at everybody else and says, oh, those poor dears. 
They're just not good at life. They're just not good at whatever. I, I shall, uh, they need me. They desperately need me. I will be the one to come in and save them. Get me my horse. I must ride in and save these people. Look at those black and brown people. They don't know what, I, I will help them. And you sit there and you go, please stop helping us. I see you're drowning. Here's a bag of quickreet. This will help you. How will this help? No, just take it. You don't understand. This is not, stop helping me. Stop helping us. There's a great book by Jason Rowley, the Washington, or the Wall Street Journal. He's on the editorial board there called Please Stop Helping Us about this very phenomenon, the white liberals helping black people, quote unquote, helping black people. And all the instances, there really isn't an instance where it's worked out the other way. All the instances of things getting worse. And like, please stop helping us. Please stop helping us. The study conducted by the LGBTQ advocacy organization. Well, what a shock of all shocks. I hope you were sitting down for that. You mean a group whose funding stream is dependent upon there being a specific problem in existence and that problem being prevalent, found prevalence of the problem for which they exist to combat. Really? What a shock of all shocks. Holy cow. I'm a little bit dizzy, to be honest with you. Uh, the news that suggests that major social media networks are not just passive bystanders to hate spread online, but have, in effect, helped fuel the rise of anti-LGBTQ sentiment nationwide. Now, they fuel the, how they fuel the rise? Are they the ones posting pictures of drag queen story time where dudes are grinding in front of five-year-olds? Is that, that how it is? No, those people posted that themselves. The rest of us, we normal people, just saw it and said, nobody should be doing that to a kid. That's not cool. Oh, no, that's you just posted a hate comment online. Wow. <laughs> You'd really be living in fear of my inner monologue if what comes out of my mouth is bothering you that much. But hey, what are you going to do? I love this story. CBS News. Glad the report called the Social Media Safety Index. Gee, you know, <laughs> we exist to find problems. and take, It's like taking your car to the brake shop. Just, hey, you're offering free brake inspections. Just, would you just mind inspecting my brake? Oh, you, you found a problem with my brakes, did you? In a shocking development, you found a problem with my brakes. It's the second report of its kind. It evaluated... Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube's policies to facilitate expression. What the hell is fa facilitate expression? It's facilitate specific ex expression. That's it. F specific expression. If you if you if you aren't down with uh, Bob becoming Betty, if you don't, if you think maybe that's a garbage, maybe it's a sign of a mental uh, issue a little bit deeper than I feel pretty. You are a hate monger. You're a hate monger. You're not allowed to express that. They don't want to facilitate that expression. They said, and shield LGBTQ people from hate, harassment, and prejudice while using their platforms. Oh, sorry. Although the report showed the platforms failing in slightly different ways, all five came up short when policies to protect transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming users were evaluated. GLAAD recommends that Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube adopt more comprehensive policies that ensure those users are protected from targeted dead naming and misgendering. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I just saw you at the urinal next to me. I didn't realize you were my. I tip my hat to you, milady. I sorry. I just thought uh, this dude standing next to me is uh, wow. What a dude! But hey, you know, you just hey. Tip my hat to you, lady. I'll hold the door for you, ma'am. <laughs> can you can your broad shoulders fit through that? You former linebacker of the NFL. Can we, can your broad shoulders fit through that? Dead naming. God, people need hobbies. As well as other hateful and discriminatory behaviors. I, I'm engaging in them right now in humor. You're not allowed to be humorous anymore. So that's why I'm doing it, because to hell with you people. Twitter and TikTok previously updated their community guidelines to include bans on dead naming and misgendering. So if you tweet about uh, Bradley Manning uh, being a traitor to this country, you can get banned on Twitter. Now, if you call Bruce Jenner a total sellout to the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ community because he's a Fox News contributor now, you're probably safe. You're probably safe. But if you point out that a traitor is a traitor and is a dude and a delusional dude, you're dead naming. And you will be accused of, by the law. This is one of the less favorite things that law professor from Berkeley did this yesterday. Oh, no, you're contributing violence. Vi- that's not violence. That's not violence, honey. Sorry. No, no, it's violence. Don't you know that there's a high rate of attempted suicide in the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ community, particularly the trans community? Yeah, I, I've been told that. I don't know that I necessarily believe it, but I have been told that. I also know that there's a high rate of drug use in the trans community, too. And I'm thinking that if you take suicide and drug use... Those are two things that are not generally indicative of a, a, a nutritious breakfast, a well-balanced meal. You remember the side of the breakfast cereals when you were a kid? They had that picture of part of a balanced breakfast. Like, yeah, it's Captain Crunch. It's sugar. It's like, yeah, it's a balanced breakfast because you got pancakes and eggs and co- you got coffee on a kid's cereal. That picture had everything. There's bacon over there. And then there's a bowl of uh, Captain Crunch. Like, yeah, of course, it's part of it's a hell of a... You mean balance? You're tipping the scales. That scale, whatever. But sure, you throw in a half a grapefruit and everything else in there. Everything else is kind of healthy, and then you got the bowl of crunchy cereal. That's just sugar. I, I question your methods when you sit there and you you say, "Well, there's a high rate of suicide and drug use amongst a certain group of people who live a certain lifestyle." You might go, "I wonder." Maybe that's not a part of a balanced breakfast. Maybe, in fact, that is a sign of something else. Maybe it's a sign of people having struggling with uh, with mental health. Maybe we can help them in some way. And you can't. You can't. You're not allowed to. Because if you say, hey, let's talk about your problem. Let's talk about what's going on here. Uh, Mr., you know, you're wearing a dress and everything. Let's find out if there's You are suddenly really buttoned up against what? conversion therapy even if you're not you you don't care you just don't want betty the dude in in the hr department you don't want him to kill himself so you go hey man you got any problems at home is there anything you want to talk about is there maybe we could run some tests and see if there's maybe a chemical imbalance but no 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 you can't do that instead you have to just pretend that they are in fact a woman 
And when they, you know, start doing cocaine, start smoking meth, things like that, you just you can't say, hey, maybe maybe you got some deep rooted problems that you need to address here because you're kind of kind of acting weird. You're 42 years old and suddenly you're in a dress and you're crying all the time and you're smoking crack and you're not Hunter Biden. Uh, Maybe we should talk about this. No, no, you can't do that. You're not accepting. You're judging. You're judging. And the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ mafia is going to come after you. Well, there's a high propensity of these people to commit suicide. But don't try to address maybe the root cause of that suicide. The suicide isn't because maybe they have a chemical imbalance. The suicide is clearly because somebody on their YouTube channel commented about 50 comments down, said, you look like a dude. That's, that's what it is. Somebody called Betty Bob the other day, and that is why they're trying to commit suicide. has nothing to do with anything else, and don't you dare even think it. We will come after you like you wouldn't believe, like a rabid spider monkey if you dare think it. You begin to think and you begin to realize that when Democrats talk about compassion, they don't actually mean it, or they're working off, well, as they are with every other word. They're working off a different definition, of a different dictionary. One they make up on the fly. Their dictionary is empty and it's written in pencil. There's blank pages that they write in pencil and then they erase it. That's no longer convenient because they're bad people. I don't know. Maybe I don't know any trans people. I know a lot of gay people. They're kind of sick of the way that the trans people are sort of taking over the entire alphabet mafia. But um, they're not that sensitive. They're not that hyper. Some of them are quite conservative. They're not little fragile snowflakes. So why is it that the uh, the T in there is? I don't know. It might have to do with some sort of mental issue that maybe we could address if you care about if you care about these people. And that's the catch, isn't it? <sighs> Let's see. The organization called on major social media platforms to make changes in a number of key areas and urged them to improve algorithms that amplify harmful content what what do you mean they have they don't have algorithms they go you know what if somebody uses one of these slurs make sure it's bumped to the top that'd be awesome amplify harmful content strengthen company resources and training so that moderators quote understand the needs of lgbtq users Increase transparency about data collection and fix AI biases that disproportionately impact... There it is. Everybody's impacted, but some are impacted more. Disproportionately impact marginalized groups, including people within the LGBTQ community. What's funny is all they really got... What this is really all about, I promise you. I promise you, this is how these people are. What Glad is really trying to do is up their donations from these social media websites. That's it. Hey, we uh, wrote a report critical of you guys. Would you like to buy a couple of tables, maybe be a major sponsor at this year's gala? You would. Well, that's good. That's great. And, you know, this will get you three or four, maybe five years of, you know, still criticism. But uh, less, you're making improvements. It'll buy you that. But if you don't re-up after that to a higher level, I suspect there's going to be big, big problems for you going forward. Nice, nice company you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. The mafia is sitting there going, God, can we get an LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ godfather? Because then everything you do is legal. You do the same stuff. You just... 
it's legal. <laughs> Speaking of this garbage, there was another hearing yesterday up on Capitol Hill, because why wouldn't there be another hearing about abortion up on Capitol Hill? And this clip, it's uh, Congressman Andrew Clyde. Andrew Clyde is a Republican from Georgia, right? And he is talking to a woman named Fatima Goss Graves. I wrote that down. Probably the first thing I've ever written down in the show, so I wouldn't get it wrong. Fatima Goss Graves. She is the president and CEO of the National Women's Law Center. Now, one would think that a woman that is president and CEO, that's two impressive jobs, uh, of the National Women's Law Center would be able to tell you what a woman is. But you forget what I tell you all the time. Progressives are progressives first and anything else a distant second. And so you end up in a situation where you have this. Okay, earlier this year, our newest Supreme Court Justice, uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, was asked what a woman is, and she had a difficult time defining that. Since you are the president of the National Women's Law Center, I was hoping that you could define what a woman is for us in this committee hearing. Well, as the president of the National Women's Law Center, you can imagine I say woman a lot uh, in my day job. Okay, uh, so I'm just asking I, for the de definition. I'm so and and so what I'll tell you is I am a woman that's how I identify okay but I wonder however if in part the reason that you're asking a question is that you're trying to suggest that people I am simply asking the question and I simply want an answer I, and so I, I think it's actually really important to be very clear here that there are people who identify as non-binary. I think okay. about five right. percent of young. We're not going to go there. I was hoping maybe you would. I was hoping that you, maybe you would say something that maybe we learned in um, high school biology that has to do with X and Y chromosomes, but uh, which define male and female. But I guess we're not going to get there. Now I guess we're not going to get there. <sighs> These people. These people are insane. She's the president and CEO of the National Women's Law Center. And she goes, well, you know, I identify as a woman. I, I do that. Now, women out there, do you, is this how you are now? Do you no longer recognize yourself? You just identify as, you're not a woman. You just identify as a woman. Because it, it's not really both, I don't think. If anybody anywhere at any time can identify as a woman, then you being a woman, you identifying as a woman is, is cheapened. You, just, you identify. You're not, you're not a woman. You might not be a woman. There is no real definition of a woman. I identify as a ham sandwich today. Uh, now I identify as a woman. I'm feeling, uh, I feel like I'm a, a Venetian blind at the moment. Just sitting there and you go, hey, wait a second. There's something wrong here. There's something off here. But no, no, you can't. The head of the uh, National Women's Law Center. So then, so then, what, is the National Women's Law Center open up to men? Would the National Women's Law Center represent a man accused of sexual assault? Would the National Women's Law Center come to the aid of a trans woman, meaning a man who was accused of rape. 
They say, no, 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 they wouldn't possibly do that. How, how could this, this trans woman is a woman. This trans woman is a woman. Couldn't possibly be those sorts of things. Is that possible? No, it's not possible. They'd never do that. They know in their actual, the way that they work in life and the way that they conduct their business, they know exactly what a woman is. They want to control how you think. They want to control how you speak. If you can control the words you can use, and if you can set what is appropriate or acceptable language, then you control everything. That's what this is about. Not about anything else. It's pretty simple. You're not allowed to talk that way. What do you mean I'm not allowed to talk? You can say whatever. I'm not saying, I'm not threatening anybody. I'm not hurting. No, you're hurting somebody's feelings. You're committing violence against someone. I'm not committing violence against anybody. I'm saying that you're a dude. All right? I don't want to be your friend. So we don't have to be friends. We don't have to hang out. But we got to be honest with it. All right? And I'm not even talking to you. You're using the wrong pronouns. You're dead naming me. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing the other thing. These are my pronouns and you're not using them. The only time you use pronouns in talking to somebody is not when you're talking to them. You don't talk to somebody using their pronouns. You're talking to them. It's when you talk about them to other people. That's what they're trying to control. They've got you when they, you know, you, you, human beings will be nice and polite when you're sitting across from somebody. You, Bob, you want to be called Betty, I'll call you Betty. All right, Betty, 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 Betty. But then you go to somebody else in another department, and you go, yeah, no, I'm talking to Bob, or excuse me, Betty. And he's like, no, 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 you're just using the wrong pronouns. He uses third person plural pronouns. At a minimum, but at a minimum, you at least got to use she, her pronoun. Like, the hell? Bob isn't even in the room, or Betty isn't even in the room. But those are Betty's wishes. And now you've run afoul of the thought police, and you'll be reported to the HR department. A complaint shall be filed against you. You're sitting there, and you're going, what in the hell is going on? How did any of this come to be? It has to do a lot with... We looked at, I don't know exactly where it started. We used to, and I was guilty of this too. You look at the idiocy going on on college campuses and just how asinine people are. And these these snowflakes out there, they're like 1% of the college campus and they're shutting down. Oh, we're going to take over the president's uh, office and listen until we get our way. Oh yeah, hell no, we won't go, blah, 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 blah. And you think, you're these idiots, these idiots are in for a rude awakening. They're in for... When they get into the real world, they're going to get smacked across the face with a dead, cold fish of reality. Corporate America isn't going to put up with this crap. The real world isn't going to put up with this crap. Like, yeah, the the university, the uh, president, they caved to these morons and canceled an Ann Coulter speech or a Ben Shapiro speech or whatever. But or made it really difficult to put it on. But in the grand scheme of things, it's wildly stupid. These idiots are not going to—they're going for a rude awakening. And what happened? They came out, and the the corporate world started caving to them. The the people who led them out of the universities, who were indoctrinated this way, started getting jobs in the corporate world and started working their way up. 
And now they're in positions to make decisions. And they go, all right, well, we need to do this. We need to do... We need, we couldn't possibly offend somebody. We've got to uh, allow for this. We've got to cave to them on this, that, and the other thing. And suddenly, our corporate donations have to be uh, upped to these left-wing groups or else or else we're problematic. What are you, race? You don't want to give a million dollars to these? That's why I respect Steve Jobs so much. When he came back to Apple in the 90s, after they'd kicked him out and were running into the ground and they were just a terrible company putting out a terrible product, he looked, they were losing money, and he looked and he said, why the hell are we giving money to these charities and these causes? We're losing, no, we're a company. We're here to make money. We're not here to redistribute wealth. And he shut down all the donate. Now it's back to giving donations. You wonder why things are going to hell at Apple. But, uh, and there's no innovation anymore. It's because of that crap. We thought they'd come out and be created uh, with a, a rude awakening in the real world, these monsters. And they started winning. That's the scariest thing. We got to push back against them and push back continually and hard and relentlessly. So they, they need to lose. They need to lose badly. They can't be that we've just defeated them or kept them at arm's length or keep them out of the end zone. We want to keep them out of field goal range. All right? We want to make them punt. Actually, we want to get a safety. That's what we want. We're going to push them back. We need to destroy them, not, not just beat them. We have to destroy them. They are that dangerous and that toxic. Uh, speaking of incompetence and thinking of, thinking of people who... Uh, are arrogant beyond belief. Members of Congress are wildly arrogant beyond belief. But then it comes to the staffers. And it's really kind of funny. It's exemplified by, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire has a, uh, a hilarious view of Washington, D.C. It's with Judd, uh, Judd Nelson's character. Don't even remember his name. It's been on the rounds on like HBO or something kind of recently. Uh, but he's, uh, oh, uh, he's a Democrat, but he's so ambitious. He's willing to work with or for anybody and blah, blah, blah. And he, oh, I got to go over there. There's Congressman so-and-so's key guy. Like it's written by somebody who clearly doesn't know how Washington works, but uh, they all believe all the staffers in real life do believe that they are the key guy. They think, Oh, wow, I'm a legislative aide. I answer constituent mail. I'm working on Capitol Hill. Uh, I'm so cool. This is why young staffers often get in trouble with reporters because they think that they are so important and so powerful because they're near what they perceive to be power when in reality, if you work in the House, it's not anywhere close. There's like three members that matter in the House of Representatives. Everybody else is a drone. You can cause a stink. You can get media attention. But you don't really have the ability to stop anything or make anything happen unless you're one of these three members. The Senate is completely different, which is why there are 435 members of the, the House of Representatives who think they should be in the United States Senate. It's also why there are 100 senators who think they should be president. But that's for another day. Uh, the house is riddled. It, we call it when I was up there. It's junior high. It's junior high. The house was junior high, and junior high lives well. This story from Roll Call. <clears throat> there is letters circulating about how members of Congress, congressional staffers, 
are writing members, writing letters to members to try to pressure Congress to act. CNN has the story, actually. More than 200 congressional staffers urge Pelosi and Schumer to act on climate or risk dooming younger generations. Now, do you remember voting for any congressional staffer? I don't remember voting for any congressional staffer. One would think that congressional staffers would be acutely aware of how Congress works. When I worked for Senator Burns, uh, there was a lot that Senator Burns voted for that I did not agree with, that I did not like that I would not have done had I been elected. But I was not elected. He was. So uh, any disagreements I had with him were uh, that I felt needed to be voiced were voiced before he voted. Sometimes it changed his mind. Sometimes it didn't. Most times it didn't because he knew what he was doing and he disagreed with me. But once the decision was made, it was my job as press secretary to go out and sell it. That was the job I signed up for. I understood that. These people don't seem to understand that. The story, in a rare move, more than 200 congressional staffers have sent a letter to Democratic leadership in the House and Senate demanding they close the deal on climate, on a climate and clean energy package and warning that future generations could, future failure could doom younger generations. Quote, we crafted the legislation necessary to avert climate catastrophe. It's time for you to pass it. End quote. The staffers wrote in a letter sent to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Tuesday evening. The letter, which staffers signed anonymously with initials, was first shared with CNN. They're so brave. It's the arrogance. They should listen to us. But shut up. The concept of us. They should listen to the concept of us. <laughs> Quote, our country is nearing the end of a two-year window that represents a once-in-a-generation opportunity to pass transformative climate policy. The letter continues. The silence on expansive climate justice policy on Capitol Hill this year has been deafening. We write to distance ourselves from your dangerous inaction. Well, resign in mass. You really want some attention? Resign in mass. The staffers' grievances were delivered as Schumer negotiates with Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia on a Democrat-only package that is expected to address inflation, the cost of prescription drugs, energy, and the climate crisis. They're getting ready for another piece of reconciliation. That's one way to put it. I can think of something else to call it, a piece of something else. And they're going to try and Christmas tree everything in there, hang everything they possibly can on it, cram it down there. The climate and energy portions have remained the largest sticking point in negotiations. As Manchin has publicly stated, he wants to lower gas prices by increasing U.S. energy production. That monster. My God, that monster. You know, he lives on a mega yacht. Actually, it's just a moderate-sized houseboat. But that's beside the point. He's rich and a monster, and he lives on water. Quote, if you're going to have gas prices lower, produce energy, period, Manchin told reporters Tuesday as he left Senate, uh, he left a Senate vote reiterating he wants a Democratic bill to lower inflation and the cost of gasoline and food. But for Democrats, congressional staffers, many of whom are young, passing massive investment in clean energy tax credits to deal with the climate crisis is especially urgent. Quote, the effort to pen the staff letter started Monday on Monday 
Uh, by Tuesday, it had spread to many House and Senate offices, including offices in members' homes districts. It's been very quick. This is extremely popular with Democratic congressional staff. Saul Levine, House Democratic staffer and coordinator of the Congressional Progressive Staff Association Climate Working Group, told CNN, God, they name everything like it's right out of the Soviet Union, don't they? It's taken no convincing. It's like, where's the link? Levin said the letter was born of staffers' frustration over the glacial pace of climate negotiations on the Hill, adding that many congressional staff have been working to craft big climate policy ideas well before Democrats had unified control of the House and Congress. See, this is, this is one thing Democrats do well. They don't wait for their opportunity. They, they're ready they're ready to go. So when the opportunity comes, they're not flat-footed going, oh, my God, we gotta, we better sit down and draft some legislation. They know what they want. For the things they care about, they're ready to go, which makes it all the more hilarious and more telling if you're out there and you're really a pro-abortion Democrat. You're going, oh, abortion, abortion, abortion. And they go, uh, Elizabeth Warren is out there and a bunch of other Democrats are out there going, we need to codify Roe into law. We need to do that. And I'm drafting legislation to do just... Well, why didn't you have legislation drafted? Uh, because we, didn't, we weren't really serious. What do you mean you draft... How long does it take to draft legislation? I oppose it, but I could probably write the legislation inside of 20 minutes and it would be confined to one page, right? You could just do... So if you care so deeply, we're going on three weeks. Where's the legislation? Well, we're trying to figure out the other... No. They don't really mean it. They want the issue, period. CNN is, uh, let's see, Rose, uh, a lot of staffers have worked on this bill since uh, for years, since before Biden was elected. The letter represents immense frustration of people who are really close to power and did our jobs. How can we go home and tell our families we did our jobs this whole time? And there's no climate policy. Because there's no climate crisis would probably be the, the way I'd go about it. You know, if you're, if you're looking for a reason, you're looking for an explanation, you want, you want to be truthful about it, you can probably just go home and tell them to, to relax, to chill out, to stop being stupid, to stop being paranoid, those sorts of things. But you won't do that. You won't do that. Instead, they're, they're slaves to these stories. They're slaves to these reports. The story in the Washington Post today. Something to behold. It's amazing how this stuff all comes full circle. And it's always there. And it's there for anybody. There's, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot to connect some dots. Washington Post. Houston slogs through brutal heat, colon, hottest weather I've ever seen, in quotes. That's their headline. Well, wow, hottest weather you've ever seen, huh? Well, you must be uh, a meteorologist, right? No, no. The story, soaring record-breaking uh, temperatures this week pushed Houston thermometers into uncharted territory, forcing residents of Texas's largest city to stay indoors with shades pulled low and air conditioners turned up high. The unrelenting heat wave last month was the hottest June in the city's history, is putting Houston's boast as the most air-conditioned city in the world to the test. Well, why would they be the most air-conditioned city in the world? Oh, because in summer they get exceedingly hot. So that it's exceedingly hot in the summer shouldn't be breaking news, but it doesn't matter. 
Celine Oliveres, general manager of the original cookie bar ice cream shop in upscale Rice Villages, says that uh, since the historic hot spell began in May, customers are choosing to have their cones and milkshakes delivered to their homes. It's the hottest month they've ever seen. It's hard. The National Weather Service predicted record-breaking heat for Houston on Monday, cautioning people to stay indoors. Its forecast was spot on. The temperature hit a record-setting 103 degrees. Oh, my goodness. Why, that's hot. It's clearly a sign of climate change and all the SUVs rolling around Houston, is it not? Except for the fact that in 1980, on June 30th of 1980, guess what? The temperature in Houston, Texas was 103 degrees. That's 42 years ago if you're playing the home game. And thanks to Steve Malloy of Junk Science, we know that that is 80 plus parts per million of CO2 ago. We're told that that is the cause of all of this. We got 80 more parts per million, or I think it's per million or maybe it's per billion, of CO2 in the atmosphere. It's causing the warming. Then what in the hell happened back in 1980? Why was it so hot in 1980? Well, the story from the Washington Post doesn't even bother to look it up. Now, June is a lot sooner than mid-July. July is like the heat of summer. It's right in the middle. July, August, bleeding into that miserable three-week period where it's like really super hot. We ain't there yet. But somehow, 20, 42 years ago, they got to a record temperature before the SUV was even created. Just saying. But they base their whole story on, boy, it's the hottest weather I've ever seen. Well, how old are you? What, you're 32 years old? No wonder it's the hottest weather you haven't seen. You don't remember when it was hotter because you weren't alive then. But I guarantee you, whoever it is the hottest weather I've ever seen, you are not important. You are not special. You are not the person like, well, I'm the one. uh, I'm the barometer by which all temperatures are met. No, you're not. You're an anecdote. You're an anecdote. And I guarantee you, the people who say, oh, this is the hottest day I can ever remember. They've been through worse days. They've been through hotter days because it gets hot in the summer. You just don't remember. You remember the now. That's it. Democrats are counting on that. And Democrat staffers are hilariously going, give us action or give us death. We're all going to die. Don't you understand? Don't you get it? Yeah, we do get it. It's garbage. You can write your little letter. You want to make a difference? You want people to give a damn what you think? Run for office. Challenge some of those Democrats you work for if you have the content in the front of your underpants to try it, which you don't for many reasons. All right, now let's turn our attention to our just crotchety president. Just cr- He is delusional. I don't know. Well, I do know who is advising him. Ron Klain is the chief of staff. He's protecting it's the job of the chief of staff to protect the president, right? To insulate the president. It's, a, it's more of a plausible deniability. It's a risky-ish job, more so for a Republican president than a Democrat president. But it is to be the fall guy, if need be. If things are going poorly in the administration, you got to do a staff shakeup. 
having the secretary of whatever is a good showy thing, but it doesn't really make much of a difference. The secretaries are largely figureheads. And in this administration in particular, they're particularly incompetent, unqualified for their jobs, but they just happen to be intersectionally uh, intersectionally uh, good, valuable for Democrats. So the chief of staff has got to be the fall guy if things go sideways in an administration. Because otherwise it's, well, the president's incompetent. The president's making wildly unpopular decisions. The president sucks. It can't be that. It has to be staff. So you've got that job. Now, the media has to hold somebody and demand accountability from an administration for the chief of staff, Harry Carey, uh, watch to be triggered. It is not the case in a Democrat, but it essentially is responsible for most of the decisions that are attributed to Joe Biden, the chief of staff. You also control as chief of staff, not only the insulation, you control what information gets to the president. That's what you do. So if the president appears ignorant on something, it's the staff's fault. It's ultimately the chief of staff's fault, right? They didn't brief the president on whatever it is. If they're going into an interview with the media... You know, you got to you know what the topics generally are. You know what the news of the day is. So you brief up the president on those issues so that they don't come off looking like an idiot. You can't really expect the president of the United States, any president, to be up to date on everything naturally. That's why staff is there to fill in their gaps. Like uh, they got the 30,000 foot view presidents do. But for interviews, you need probably 10,000 foot view, maybe 5,000 foot, depending on the uh, context of the interview. When Joe Biden walks up to a camera at an event because somebody shouted him a question, there's no preparing for that. And it just shows how ill-prepared the president is that at a recent, uh, right before he went over to Europe, there was a congressional picnic up at the White House. I'm not sure if it was Democrats only, but it probably was Democrats only because this guy doesn't reach across the aisle. And somebody pointed out to Joe Biden about that New York Times poll that the president of the United States is wildly unpopular, that the Democrats, even Democrats, are sitting there going, boy, I don't want Joe Biden to run again. He's not my choice. The vast majority of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run again. Your approval rating in the New York Times poll amongst Hispanics is only 32%. 32%. That's a special kind of suck to be that bad. It's unbelievable. It is a 71% decline. In January of 2021, when he was sworn in, he had 65% approval amongst Hispanics. 65, 25% disapprove. Now 63% disapprove. It's a 31 percentage point drop. Massive, massive collapse there. But Joe has been told by somebody only the shiniest, rosiest bits of data that they could mine from this. The most irrelevant. Oh, Democrats... If Do you want Joe Biden to run? 70-some percent. Hell no. Good God, no. Young Democrats, 94 percent. 
No, good God, no, don't run again, Joe. But then they posed the question, but if, if he did anyway, and he somehow ended up being the nominee again, would you vote for him? And uh, 92% said, yeah, I suppose we would. Joe's been hanging his hat on that, and I can't imagine how that was spun to him. How that, boy, I tell you, when you take away every other option, Mr. President, and you tell them it's a, just a choice between you and the people they absolutely hate, 92% of them say, all right, they'll hold their nose and vote for you. <laughs> That's essentially what these numbers are. But Joe hears, they love you, Mr. President. 92% of Democrats are right there with you when, in fact, he doesn't even have a majority of Democrats. So he was asked about this. And listen to how angry he gets right away. And he comes up to the camera and he, you almost think he's going to take a swing at this dude because he's so unstable. Democrats who don't want you to run again. They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. Read the poll. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no. 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. <laughs> yeah, 92% said if they did, they'd vote for me. If they were given, you know, would you want a sharp stick in the eye while getting a proctological exam during a latex and lubricant shortage, or would you vote for Joe Biden? Hmm, let me think about that for a minute. I guess under those uh, specific circumstances, I would vote for Joe Biden. That's the that's the poll he's talking. That's the results he's talking about. Yeah, but if they had no other choice. If the option was a slow and painful death or voting for me again, they'd vote for me again. So therefore, they love me. The CNN group looking at, now this is Jake Tapper's show. CNN laughed about this, not this exchange, but this number, the reality of the polling that Joe Biden clearly wasn't told. He was only told 92% of Democrats would vote for you again, Mr. President. Yeah, if... Every other option were taken off the table and you uh, held their children at knife point. 92, 8% said, go ahead, you have the kids, they're all yours. Uh, but 92% said, yeah, they'd vote for you. This is CNN you're about to hear, not Fox, CNN. Primary voters want a different nominee, two-thirds. If you break it down by age, 94% of Democratic primary voters under the age of 30, 94% say they don't want Biden. That is a stunning number. Yes. Um. I mean, he swept his grandchildren, but other than that, I mean, like, who, uh, I mean, 94% don't want him, who are, Demo again, 94%. Demo Democrats yeah. under yeah, the age yeah. of 30. Yeah. Not a good time to be Joe Biden, but he's sitting there and what is he doing? No, 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 read the polls, Jack. 92% said they'd vote for me, yes as opposed to slowly being dropped down a la a Bond villain into a vat of acid, 92% would vote for you, Joe. 8% would take the acid bath, happily prefer the acid bath. And you sit there and you go, no, he's not senile. No, he, he is absolutely senile. You can tell he knows something's wrong because he did come running over to the guy when he asked the question. No, no, Jack, you're wrong. Read the polls. Have you read the polls, Mr. President? All right, let's start with a basic question. Can you read, Mr. President? Because I'm not sure you can. Let's, let's just start with that. As we wrap it up here, I, I, 
I saw this. I don't know why this was trending. I assume it was because like Glamour magazine paid for it to trend. That's how a lot of this stuff happens. Is how a lot of these things work. Is you sit there and you go, "Oh, this is why is this trending? Why is it?" And you go, "What is it?" And you click on it, and you go, "What? What is this?" It's like this. There's something trending right at this moment. Good morning, America's Ginger Z makes major flub as she guest hosts the View. And I saw that this morning. I was like, "What is that?" It reappears throughout the day because somebody's paying for it. So you click on it. And there isn't a single tweet by a real human being. It's all from the U.S. Sun, which I assume is the American version of the U.K. Sun or whatever. It's a small Twitter account. And you go, what? I actually clicked on it earlier to try and figure out what the major flub was because I'm like, what? what? It, what? Like, who saw this story and thought this has to be, this is a news story? And in an introduction to somebody I'd never heard of, she used the wrong word. She said, quote, this is from the story. Speaking of books, you just released a paperback version of Please Don't Sit on My Bed with Your Outdoor, uh, with your outdoor Clothes. And apparently, uh, Sonny Houston or whatever, the book is called, uh, leaned over and tried to explain or whisper to her what the book is really titled. And the book is titled Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. And that was it. She said outdoor clothes, and instead it was outside clothes. I'm like, oh, my God, it was a hugely embarrassing gaffe, flub. And I'm like, how the hell is that a flub? What are you talking about? But it is. Uh, it's not really. But it's a story, I guess, that they decided the world needed to know. And so they paid to promote these tweets that they all sent out. And like, that's that's the least flubby thing you you had whoopi goldberg last year talk or two years ago talking about how dr jill she's the best doctor she's the best damn doctor you ever saw she uh she performed my uh my transition surgery she's such a great doctor like what she's uh she's got an education doctorate she's not even a phd she's got an education she's not a medical doctor at all she couldn't even give you an aspirin oh well i thought she was a doctor yeah, because you're an idiot, Whoopi. Also, Whoopi Goldberg said, oh, the uh, Holocaust, that Holocaust thingy, that wasn't about race. Had nothing to do with racism. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, so to sit there and say, this is a major flub on the view is not only wrong in the general sense, it really takes in, doesn't take into account the existence of the view. But sometimes they just pay for things to trend. And that's what brings us to this piece by... Sophia Bush, who's an actress, big left-wing activist, and some guy named Grant Hughes, who is her husband, says, Why the right to an abortion matters for every person. The headline on Glamour magazine. And, you know, you get makeup tips and abortion tips from Glamour magazine because everything is left-wing now. The subheadline is, In a deeply personal essay, the actor Sophia Bush and her husband, Grant Hughes, share the impact abortion has had on their life and you're sitting there and you're thinking well what's going on did they have some sort of horrible situation or whatever where they decided that they needed an abortion whatever what is it what's going on and you read it 
And she starts it off. It's all the the publicity team that wrote this thing, first of all, because Sophia Bush is a big lefty activist and she's an actor. I don't think she graduated high school. She learned school on set. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. The PR team who wrote this talks about how she's sitting there staring at her husband across their kitchen. And, oh, boy, how she's never been happier. She's totally in love with that. But they're grappling with the enormity, they write, of overturning Roe v. Wade, which for the last 50 years has protected our fundamental right to abortion care and to self-determination. They're big supporters of self-determination. Now shut up and get your shot and get boosted, you monster or you shouldn't be allowed to work ever again. And also, if you're a conservative, I'll make sure you never work on a movie that I work on ever. It's infuriating to watch lawmakers, they say, tune out the cries of medical professionals and to see women treated in the halls of government that purports to be founded on liberty and justice for all as less than, as though their needs and their lives don't matter. Oh, they're really laying it on thick. It's a perfectly, way to, perfectly fine way to choose whatever you want. It's, uh, no, you're not putting that thing anywhere near me. Not without taking all sorts of precautions. There's a good choice. Anyway, she goes on, and you're sitting there going, what the hell is the point? It takes them a while to get to it. And then it turns out that she, they write that she's, they're grateful for abortion, and abortion is so important because they might not have ever met before an abortion. This moment is nothing short of a national emergency, they say. But these days it also feels incredibly personal because as I type this, she writes, I look across my kitchen at my husband, a man whom I am deeply in love, and a man who might never have come into my life nor me into his had it not been for an abortion. Not my experience. I've never had an abortion, but his. An abortion that he and a former partner had is what got us here. And you're like, oh, what? Yeah, ex-girlfriend got pregnant and they didn't want the kid and uh, they might have had to have acted responsibly had it not been for the ability to have an abortion. So he helped, he paid for an abortion, he got an abortion, and then years later he was able to meet Sophia. But it's a love story. And you think, oh, well, the uh, love story enabled by abortion. But I had a thought. I had a thought. I said, Sophia Bush, I thought she was married before. I thought she was married before. And she was married before. She got married to this guy just in 2022, this Grant Hughes guy. But in 2025, or 2005 to 2006, so it didn't last very long, she was married to Chad Michael Murphy, another actor. Now, one might argue that uh, if they're saying we might never have met if this baby had been brought into this world, if this damn kid had come along and cramped our style, we might not have been able to, to get married then you would say that uh, that's not really true because you were married before. And, you, you, you know, theoretically, you're supposed to be married for forever. You, you lasted a whole year, but you're supposed to be married forever, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? So having a child, are you saying that if you'd had a child with Chad Michael Murray, you would have never divorced him? And then uh, you would still be married to him to be miserable because you had a child? Or what? What are you saying? The kid, she doesn't address it. She doesn't acknowledge that she was married before. They don't think of it in these terms. The kid would somehow ruin everything. 
Let the kid ruin everything. Were you out both on the party circuit when you were single and, and that's how you met and got together? You're out at parties drinking all the time and you maybe couldn't be wildly irresponsible if one of you had a kid at home? I don't understand this. Of course, none of it makes sense. It's wildly stupid, incredibly ignorant. It's Hollywood. You're dealing with somebody who's been famous since their teenage years, educated on set, to the extent you can be educated on set. And it's just not the real world. But this is Glamour Magazine thought the world needed to know that. I'm a layman and I read this and I thought, well, there's there's more to this story. And I found this in two seconds. What do you think somebody cares could find? Anyway, that is it. It's all the time we have for today. Go ahead and start your damn weekends, man. It, you deserve You earned it, this one. That beer that you're going to drink this weekend, you probably earned You bought it. So, I mean, what the hell? Drink it anyway. I don't know if you earned it or not. That's a value judgment you make about yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. I am not your judge, jury, nor am I your executioner. Anyway, have a great weekend. Hopefully I'll see as many of you as humanly possible at midnight tonight at patreon.com slash Podcast or at derekhunter.locals.com where the Week in and Review will be up there. And when you go and listen to that, don't forget to enter to win one of the autographed books. Make sure you have fun this weekend. Either way, that's what really matters. We'll be back here to do it again on Monday. Have a great one. Bye.